Hey everybody, this is Ryan Wolt again. Welcome to the Cheers North County Podcast, where I have a drink with someone interesting. Today I'm talking about San Diego's beer history with Judith Downey, who has a really fancy title at Cal State San Marcos and is the curator of the Beer Cive. We talk about a project they have archiving the brewing community's response to COVID called Glass Half Full, how the Beer Cive came to be, and San Diego's long history with beer. But first, some sponsor information. The Coast News has been a leading voice in North County for 33 years. They continue to passionately cover the stories of our communities, of local economy, sports, culture, and politics, and of course the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you'd like to support their reporting efforts, please go to thecoastnews.com, and if you are able, click the donate button on the upper left. And if you're looking for something to read, check out my new book, Eli and Jane. It's the fictional story about two people who cross paths while traveling across the country. Personalized copies are available now on onewildlifeco.com or search for Eli and Jane on Amazon to get a paperback or ebook. Look for links in the show notes. And now, it's time for the show. So, welcome to the Cheers North County podcast. Thank you for joining me. Judith, you are the, I wrote it down so I'd remember because it's really long, Special Collections and History Librarian at the Cal State San Marcos University, who is also the curator of the Brew Chive, or more succinctly, a brewery historian. There you go. (laughs) How, what is the Brew Chive and how do you get involved in something like that? Well, the Brew Cive is actually an archive of San Diego craft beer brewing. Was I saying it wrong? It's Brew Cive? Brew Cive, but ah, that's okay. That's a lot okay. of people say, because you see that C in, and yeah. so you just going to say Brew Cive and uh, yeah. Brew Chive, but uh, no, it's Brew Cive, like archive, brewing okay. archive. Ah, gotcha. But um, we're focusing from the 1980s on because the early San Diego brewing history, late 19th century, early 20th century, is held at the San Diego History Center, which they don't really actively pursue collecting things. And we've got so much going on with San Diego and craft beer. Somebody's got to save it. (laughs) And so uh, we got started in it because um, Cal State San Marcos, every time they propose a new program, the proposal has to go through all the affected departments and the library being that we supply resources to students, of course, it's affected by everybody. So my boss called me in while I was simply the history librarian and said, what have we done on beer history? And I said, nothing, because nobody's ever asked me. And the associate dean, she is a home brewer, and she said, well, somebody ought to be collecting San Diego beer history because it is just exploding around here. And I was not really drinking beer at the time, so I didn't know. And I said, well, I'm a librarian. I can find out. So I investigated and found out the situation with San Diego History Center. The Museum of Man had done the beerology exhibit at mm-hmm. one point. But again, it was not an active collecting effort. And so I went back to the dean and the associate dean and said, nobody's doing it. And then said, well, we need to do it. And I said, well, that means me. <laughs> <laughs> you said you weren't drinking beer. Are you drinking a beer now by chance? No, actually, right now I'm drinking water. I'm well, on some right. medication that is no worries. saying no alcohol for a few days. <laughs> I I give myself a, a few days off every now and again, too, just because I feel like it's probably good for me. But today, because I was talking to you, I actually got a special beer out, which is uh-huh. a Wisconsin Belgian red ale from New Glarus Brewing Company. And it's made with only Wisconsin cherries. And Ooh, the thing, my wife and I get some every year. And I'm not normally allowed to drink it if she's not here. 
because we have to share it. But I got special permission today. Oh, okay. I was going to say uh, we can't te- we can't tell her that. No, no, no. Well, I, I, you, I would never make that mistake. San Diego beer. <laughs> yep, we're doing San Diego beer. You know, with the pandemic, I've been very socially distant myself, mm-hmm. and so sometimes, like, I just am not willing to go out and risk it. Right. And that has put, it's not as easy. I forget about it because it used to be so easy. I'd you know, walk down the street, I'd get a beer if I wanted one, you know, right. come home. And now that's just not the case. You really got to work a little bit to get the local places that you, yeah. that you want to support. Yeah. I've been in, in the same situation. Um, I did stop by three frogs down in Chula Vista for their soft opening a week ago and um, five suits at a soft opening this last weekend and I'm a member of the Society of Barley Engineers, which is a North County homebrew group, so I can learn more about beer and beer styles. They're, they're very patient with me and my stupid questions. <laughs> and um, Nick Corona the, the, of Five Suits actually kind of sent out a special invitation to the barley engineers. So I did go by and pick up a crowler of the last beer that Barrel Harbor brewed, which was a Pink Boots collaboration beer mm-hmm. called Rye IPA. And so that is in my beer fridge. I just can't drink it because I can't drink much IPA, period, but also because I just can't drink right now. But um, Nick also had one of his own. He had a hazy IPA um, available for pickup. But it is very difficult because you don't get that. I mean, standing outside six feet apart from each other wearing our masks, we could certainly socialize. But it wasn't like being in there and admiring the decor and talking to everybody and having a great social moment or moments, hours or whatever. And you have written about that, I've noticed in your articles, which I, I really agree with. It's hard to get out and you really miss a whole lot of that brewing community, mm-hmm. even when you are out, because it's a, a grab and go situation. It is not the same thing. Yeah, we've lost that social and not even just, I know today I was writing about you know, I, I miss just going to the store to look at new beers, new beer labels, mm-hmm. seeing what's coming out and talking to the guy behind the counter, you know, going to like a Bine and Vine or something like that. And mm-hmm. those are little things that I kind of just did every week and, and took for granted. And now I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, when you ha- even have to think through just going to the grocery store, you know, I mean, it's it's very, very hard because you do have to ask yourself, you know, how it how what kind of danger am I putting myself into sure. or the people who work at the brewery who certainly cannot afford to be sick, right. you know, or the contract traced back to them being the nexus of an infection or something like that. So it's not just being careful for yourself. It's being careful for everybody and the impact it's going to have on the business. And one thing I'd like to share with you uh, before like, we get too excited and get care, you know, off on another topic is uh, one thing that we're doing with the brew hive is the campus actually started a community memory project where you can do an online submission. It can be uh, a text piece. It can be photographs. We've actually gotten some great videos from the community members about how COVID is affecting them. But we've also just launched a subset of that called Glass Half Full. And it is a community archiving project for the San Diego beer community. And it's not just the brewers, not just the the, uh, taproom staff, it's for anybody who feels like they've lost their social connections. They've 
you know, or however it's affected them by not being an active part of the beer community or things they've done to help support the beer community. So if they go to brewchive, B-R-E-W-C-H-I-V-E dot org, that's our short URL, it will redirect them to our actual uh, webpage and they'll see a link to Glass Half Full. And they click on that, it brings up an automated form. They can be anonymous, they can submit Again, images, they can submit reflections or whatever. And we're collecting that as a way to memorialize the effect that COVID has had on the brewing community in San Diego. Wow, that's a really unique thing. And I hate to jump too far ahead, but I hope there's a point where we're looking back at that going, man, remember when we survived that. Yeah, actually, the Smithsonian and the National Archives have both released some material about the pandemic of 1918, of course, which is very parallel to what we're going through now. And the letters and the evidence that they have in there is very powerful. They haven't really released too much about how it affected the beer community, because, of course, 1918, we were also dealing with World War One, and we were, <laughs> there was a lot of activity in California from 1914 on to try to bring prohibition on. So the brewers had other things to worry about besides the, the pandemic that we, they were suffering, but... Um, this is probably something you're aware of, and most everybody seems to know it, but the Mission Brewing Building, the iconic building down by the San Diego airport, was it had already closed because of impending prohibition. But the building itself was used as a, a hospital for influenza patients during the 1918 epidemic. I did not and know that. So they, put, they put the space to good use. That's really um, interesting. Unfortunately. One of the reasons that I got into beer was because I was traveling a lot and finding local breweries was kind of a way to learn about, you know, the places that we were going without, you know, maybe going to like the top tourist spots. We'd find out, you know, okay, we're in Boston. So we're, we're going to go to Boston beer company or mm -hmm. we are in Chicago. So we're going to go to revolution or we're going to find whatever that local place is at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where we, we meet, we would meet people. My wife and I is, is we, and, We've met some great friends at, at breweries and bars kind of around the country, and it was always felt like a better way to get a vibe of what a neighborhood was like. Yes, um, very much so. I think a brew pub or a tasting room is a microcosm of a community. Certainly not everybody goes there, but you, you see the well-to-do, you see the average working guy, you see men and women, you see people of color, you see, you know, Vendor, various gender expressions, and people are there to have a good time and to socialize. It is, you know, certainly conversations can get heavy, but um, it really does draw people from all over the place, which I think is, you know, beer, beer history really reflects any number of aspects of our society. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually been publishing a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, it's amazing how many threads beer runs through in economics and uh, women's issues and you know pretty much everything <laughs> and even with you know mission brewing being a hospital you know it goes into health issues so uh what are the kind of things that people are finding in the brew hive now how do people access it my first thought was it was a museum somewhere on campus but but that doesn't that's a seem dream for the future <laughs> yeah that's the dream but it's it's all right now kind of based online right is that my understanding? What I've been able to digitize so far is through the brewchive.org website, yes, but there's a huge amount more 
um, being that we launched this initiative um, with a formal announcement at the Stone Anniversary event in 2017, we're just now coming up on being three years along. And it's been me as the hunter, gatherer, curator, speaker, you know, writer, and plus I'm still history fat the history library, and so I'm still teaching classes to students on how to do research. We have a lot more in the collection that if somebody wanted to come and see it, because we're not a museum, uh, we will eventually have an exhibit space, um, but that's going to be, a you know, COVID has derailed a lot of our plans throughout the campus. What they can do is reach out to me. There's a contact us uh, sure. link on the Brookhive webpage, and if they want to come, um, once the campus is reopened, we can certainly set something up and I will take them on a tour of all the nooks and crannies where I have things stuffed. <laughs> hey everyone, we'll be right back with Judith Downey, but first... And once again, we're back to the show. I just actually um, got permission to go on campus today because we have to go through a permission process. We have to have our temperature checked and all of that. And I actually took in eight, actually nine boxes of donated items, a lot of them growlers, some glassware, books on beer, beer styles, beer history. So I went and dropped a bunch of stuff off and brought a bunch more stuff home because, of course, we're all working from home. But uh, if somebody comes, um, I've got, or they see us at a ta at an event. I go to a lot of beer festivals and do information tables. Oh, really? Or sometimes you'll see me at a beer festival and I will be helping one of the breweries pour beer because I like to give back to the community. They're giving to me. I'd like to give back to them. And uh, I might have an album of various coasters, some from the early 1980s, like Hang 10 Brewery, things like that, that people go, oh, I remember that brewery. And I, of course, want to hear their story about that brewery. I have collections of some beer labels. We actually have some tap handles. Pat McElhaney, when I did an oral history with him, gave us one of the original Alpine tap handles. So that's kind of like my treasure in the tap handle collection. I don't generally take it anywhere because I'm afraid I'll break it. <laughs> you know, when you only have one, you're very afraid of breaking things. Um, I also have a range of growlers, um, some cans. Uh, the growlers are interesting because I have clear glass, I have brown glass, I have stainless steel. So it, it really, for somebody who's interested in either beer marketing or marketing in general or technology issues, the clear to brown to stainless steel shows a transition in how we package beer, how we merchandise ourselves as breweries. And I speak as we, like I belong to one, but I belong to everybody. Yeah. So it's still the we. We also have a huge collection from Greg Cook of Stone. He gave us thousands of photographs, which we were in the middle of digitizing when COVID hit. So of course we don't have the scanner here. The photographs are still all in the campus, in the library and safe. Fortunately, we keep, you know, we have somebody who goes in and checks to make sure nothing's leaking or anything like that. Uh, but we're digitizing all of those. I've got oral history recordings that are being transcribed by a student assistant who we've been able to maintain her employment through this. But Greg also had, he was a musician before he started Stone with Steve Wagner. And so we have some of his music memorabilia, like t-shirts from various bands and concerts he went to. We also have an album that he recorded a song on. We also have things like from uh, his MBA at University of Southern California. I have not been able to get an oral history with Greg yet, but then he's done a lot of, he's certainly been a public figure for Stone. 
I did get an oral history with Steve, though, which we are transcribing. What about? Greg also gave us boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of glassware and bottles. You know, all the various art, the various representations of the gargoyle. We also have, and this is something nobody knows about Greg, we have about 63 boxes. When I say boxes, I mean banker's boxes. that They're, they're about the size you get a bunch of paper in. Soda cans from around the world that he collected when he was a kid. That's a lot. His parents would not let him collect beer cans like his friends were collecting. <laughs> so he collected soda cans and wanted to be the president of a soda company. <laughs> that's uh, it's well, that's part of it, that history then how he got his start. What about um, I mean, Stone has been around a long time and they've got a lot of history. What about a continuing history? How are you connecting with some of the smaller local independent breweries? Some of our littler guys that are coming up and have been around two years, five years, 10 years. Are they aware of this? Are they involving themselves Many with you? Many of them are aware. Some of them, I've met them at beer festivals and then I'll come back to them and they'll say, who are you again? You know, because they're so busy at a beer festival, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, they're trying to make a living and I understand that because I'm doing this as part of my life as well. Um, I've been to, I just counted up the other day on my spreadsheet about 154 of the breweries. That also includes breweries that have closed, like Helms and Barrel Harbor and, you know, a bunch of those. So there's probably about 30 of the breweries, mostly in the South County, that I haven't made it to yet, simply because, you know, I have a job on the campus and then trying to get out evenings and weekends and then traffic's awful or, you know, whatever. So it's hard for me to get to them. Some of them have donated things. Others, I go in and I will buy. I pay for it out of my own pocket. You know, the state of California and your taxes do not pay for the beer I drink. And they don't, you know, I mean, I I buy what I can to help support the breweries. Because they're selling these things in order to keep an income going. Um, Other times, I feel like a vulture because when a brewery is closing, I'll try to reach out to them and say, please don't throw things away. We will take them. We will give them a home. I would think that... People want their, even if they're closing, it was still, especially in beer, people don't get into beer necessarily because they think they're going to make a lot of money with no effort. I mean, they get into it because they're passionate about it. And I would think even when they're closing, I think about Council Brewing was a great brewery that closed, Mm -hmm. I thought. They still are proud of that work that they did. And so sharing it with you and and creating, giving it to some to, to your to the brew hive and saying, Hey, we want people to learn from this or we want to like this is our place in history here in San Diego, I think would be important for people. Yeah, I reached out to Curtis and Liz when they were closing and Curtis reached back to me and said, At this point they still wanted to save their stuff. You know, for some people it's hard to give things up mm-hmm. or they don't quite understand what the brew hive is or what an what what role an archive plays you know we don't make money off of any of this stuff we don't charge admission we don't sell things or anything like that but you know they may think that at one point they may reopen they may think that there's something that they will want to do with it themselves and i i honor that and so i you know if they say we're not ready or whatever okay now alex van horn when he closed intergalactic we got together and he did an oral history with me and he gave me a few things. He had tossed a lot of stuff, which just hurts my heart when I hear that. It's like, no, 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 but you should have given it to me. But he did give us some things. And um, one thing that we would love to collect more of, we have very little of, are things like brew, brew logs. You know, I mean, that's basically the, beer, the brewing recipes. And of course, they're generally proprietary. But if somebody's gone out of business and they're not going to relicense their beer anywhere, Hey, give me the brew logs, you know, or your business plans. You know, I think that's something that 
students in our engineering program could learn from, you know, looking at either a simple bit group, a business plan, or the more complex, or, you know, see where somebody's gone from there. But again, a lot of it's proprietary. So again, I have to honor that. But um, Alex, he did license his beer recipes to Two Kids Brewing, who then they closed. And Alex and I see each other on Facebook, you know, love social media. And I said something about, well, you know, who are you going to license your beer recipes to now? And he said, well, not really anybody. He goes, um, do you want them? And I went, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing I'm getting just from, I mean, we've never met in real life, obviously, uh, with the pandemic. Yeah, one day. <laughs> I know we had emailed about it, but then, of course, this all happened. But mm-hmm. is you really seem passionate about beer. And you said something early on in this conversation that you weren't really drinking at the time. This brewkive kind of has inspired this, I think, is mm-hmm. what I was hearing. How has that journey been for you? I mean, what has this given to you back? It seems like you've taken quite a bit out of this, you know, this experience or this challenge. Well, I'm a historian at heart. And I did have another research area in history on a 19th century woman author, which really wasn't going anywhere. So it was kind of like the brew cut came for me at the right time. I have published an article in Brewery History, which is a British journal on the history of San Diego Brewing Company, you know, because it started back in the 1800s and closed and opened and suffered prohibition. And, you know, uh, Lee and Scott are, of course, not part of the original family that founded San Diego Brewing. I think after four years, they released the article to the web. So right now you'd have to buy an issue of it or reach out to me, maybe. So it gave me a new venue for my research. And I'm just one of those people that when I come up with a question, I will continue to pick at it until I get an answer. And while I'm doing that, I get more questions. Because when I first started with the whole brew hive, I went to a few local tasting rooms to just kind of see what, what it was all about. Because here I wasn't drinking beer. I knew nothing. And... I was telling people, well, we're going to start collecting beer history, you know, San Diego craft brewing history specifically. And people were wonderful about it. And they were so excited. And I was like, this is great. And I went back to my boss and I said, you know what? I've been to several tap rooms, several breweries now, and everybody's wonderful. And they're saying, oh, have you talked to so-and-so? And have you tried so-and-so beer? I said, they are a collaborative, wonderful community. I said, if I had walked into a brewery or even gone two or three, because, you know, the first experience may not be the definitive of how the community works. I said, if I had walked into two or three different brewery locations and been said, oh, well, you don't want to talk to anybody else or that person, you know, don't go there. They're horrible and stuff like that. I would have come back to you and said, we do not want to get involved in the middle of this. You know, it's a divisive, angry, you know, combative environment. We don't want that. We don't want to, as much as it still needs to have its history saved, it's like, I don't want to get caught in the middle of it. So getting this community that was so welcoming and so excited and I think for some of them they felt validated because it was like really you think what I do is important it's like yes so you know I I just I will dive in full heart soul body everything pink boots the the women professionals in beer they have graciously allowed me to be a member they said I I meet the parameters because my real interest in brewing is women and how they're finding a place in in brewing the early the, the first two breweries that opened in San Diego in the late 1868-1870, they were both founded by men who were German immigrants. But when each of them died, their wives continued the brewery. And their history is nowhere to be found. 
I mean, it is hard to, one of them, her name is spelled three different ways in the census records. So it's kind of like, she's gone. And San Diego Brewing, the second owners who bought it in 1905, two gentlemen, they were German-American, you know, sons of immigrants who had brewed in the Midwest. Well, when they came out to California, they were both married and both their wives were named Kate, interestingly enough. But the two Kates were very as different as night and day. And there's very little record of one Kate and the other Kate was a very public figure. In fact, actually, she got caught up in a lawsuit when her husband died about control of stocks of San Diego Brewing Company. And that's something I'm actually researching right now to write an article on because I think it demonstrates women and how they could be part. I mean, they could own stock, but they really were not encouraged to be active in the brewing community. And when women showed up, there's actually an article in an early San Diego Union about the opening, I think it was, of San Diego Brewing Company. I'm pretty sure it was San Diego Brewing, and how one woman was screaming at the top of her lungs and acting very unladylike. And it's like, they didn't say anything about the way the men were behaving. But here they pick out this one woman going, we're all pals here, you know, and carrying on. And so it's just, it's interesting to see how that's different. And then I could go off on a tangent about how, you know, early California laws where you don't sell any kind of liquor, including beer to Indians. And, you know, I mean, it's just, you can go all kinds of places with it. So I have to kind of focus. <laughs> it's very hard because it's all interesting. <laughs> well, it is. And I feel like we could take a tangent and keep going forever, but uh, yes. <laughs> I'm about to run out of beer. Oh dear. Can't have that. <laughs> so I would say cheers to you. I think this is such a great project and I really appreciate okay. that you're doing it. And if there's ways that we can find out more about ourselves by looking into kind of the businesses and the communities built around them and the people that built them, I think that's such a good thing. There are certainly sad stories to be told. And we have some incredible success stories to be told around here as well. And everybody's story is important. That's what I especially tell the women um, in the beer community. Everybody's story is important. Everything somebody has done to make this community the way it is, especially in San Diego, because I talk to other beer scholars. There are others of us. And they all say, what's going on with San Diego? How can you support so many breweries and such a small area. Of course, they don't realize how big San Diego is, for one thing, because we're talking the entire county. But when I talk to them, when we start comparing how the breweries kind of cooperate with each other, San Diego is exceptional in its collaboration, exceptional in its support. And Pink Boots, the very first chapter formed in Pink Boots was the San Diego chapter. And we are still the largest. So I think that says something about how supportive people are in this area. And I would love to see everybody continue to support that supportive community because they've been, they've been hard hit. Well, and this is the time where you really see how supportive people are. And I know that I don't work for a brewery, but I've been in the industry for a long time, either as a writer or as a running a beer uh, alehouse or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I have learned never to be afraid to ask for help or ask a question because somebody is going to jump in and be like, oh, I've done that or I've had that problem. Let me help yeah. you. Let me help you, I think, is something I've heard more here in San Diego than in any other place. I I think so. I think that's very true. Thank you, Judith. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Ryan, and cheers to you. (laughs) Thanks to Judith Downey for educating me on the existence of the Beer Cave. Her passion for beer and her excitement for history is inspiring. It makes me want to start digging into the beer memorabilia I've acquired. 
If you want to get involved in the Glass Half Full Project, which is creating a historical record of how COVID-19 has and is continuing to impact the brewing industry, go to archives.csusm.edu backslash brewchive and click on Glass Half Full in the menu. Okay, that's one more show recorded, produced, and edited by me, Ryan Wolt. Thanks for listening. Well, I've started to figure out how to do this. I'm still working on making a little better show by show. This show is now available on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, and Overcast. Please support this podcast by giving it a follow wherever you're listening. Then share it and tag Cheers North County on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Be sure to pick up a copy of the Coast Newspaper or go to thecoastnews.com to read the latest Cheers North County column. Be well, stay healthy and sane, and keep living the dream. Cheers, everyone.